Thank you so much for listening to the Talking Classical podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the Talking Classical podcast and you'll receive a notification every time a new episode is released. You can also follow the Talking Classical podcast on Twitter, on the Talking Classical blog and on Facebook and YouTube. Many thanks for listening once again. I hope that you'll be able to join me for the next episode very soon. Welcome back to another episode of the Talking Classical podcast. I'm really pleased to be able to share this interview that I recorded last week with actor, singer and star of stage and screen Julian Ovenden. Julian has an extensive musical background which you'll hear more about in this conversation. Also one of the things that I really wanted to do with this podcast was not only talk to people whose sole profession is classical music, I wanted to talk to people in other areas as well like ballet, musical theatre, acting. I was also really struck by something that one of my previous guests, Scholt Bognar, said, if more and more people are to enjoy classical music, if more people are to get into the art form and learn more about it, I guess it's that it's that notion of accessibility, isn't it? We need to take inspiration from other areas as well, other artists and other art forms as well, and vice versa. In turn, that can only enhance our practices, our styles, our tastes, our preferences. There's a, a saying out there, isn't there, that our, our styles form our limitations. And I think sometimes it can be all too easy for us to be perhaps a little narrow-minded about our um, about our tastes. And that's why over the last few months or so, I've wanted to talk to other people and talking about their relationship with, with music as well. In this interview, we talk about how Julian's extensive musical training has informed him as both a singer and an actor. We also talk about approaches to music, singing, performance, what he says in terms of talking about style and individuality. I think that you're going to find that really, really interesting. A huge thank you to Julian for taking the time to talk to me, especially for this podcast. We've got so many things to talk about. Um, but I mean, how did it all begin for you? I mean, how did you get into this whole world of music, singing, acting? I went to a choir when I was um, from seven years old in St Paul's, St Paul's Cathedral in London. I suppose that engendered a, not only a love for music, because it was a just incredible experience to be singing in that building, you know, in a sort of professional setup, really, mm. um, with singers, you know, professional singers behind me. But um, there's something about singing in, a, in, a, in an acoustic like that that is, it sort of has a kind of effect on you, profound effect on you. But also the, 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 the other side of being a musician and a performer, which is the discipline mm. and which is the, the, the practice and what it takes to, I suppose the difference between being an amateur and a professional, really, I guess, you know, the sort of dedication, which I really loved. And once you get through that, the hard part of it, then it becomes really enjoyable. Um, and so that, that gave me such a great base to start. And then after that, I got a scholarship, music scholarship to Eton College, which has an amazing musical pedigree. Yeah. And again, a place where you can really do whatever you want mm. musically. That so was there's Ralph bands, there's yeah. choirs. That's right, Ralph Allwood, who's a, you know, sort of choral specialist. Yeah. You know, and a, a real, um, a pioneer in a way for young choirs and young voices 
um, very charismatic. Yeah, and such consummate musician teacher. as well. So he's terrific. So that kind of developed, developed sort of stuff further. I, I learned the piano as well and brass instruments and the organ for a bit. Then I studied music at Oxford mm-hmm. um, as a choral scholar. Mm-hmm. So working with Michael and also Edward Higginbottom, who was there at the time, who was who was the director of the choir, but also my tutor, one of my me and my other tutor, and he's an amazing musician as well. To get you know, like Michael, a brilliant baroque specialist, mm, mm, mm. and it's just the sort of classiness of it. They're both you know, he's a real classy musician. Yeah. Very sensitive. You know, there's I just learned a lot from that experience. Also because we were working a lot with orchestras we did a lot of touring with the academy of ancient music oh amazing you know the baroque bands in particular but making records and touring all over the place it was just like yeah i i love that kind of lifestyle but i didn't really know what i whether i wanted to continue singing kind of classically or whether i just didn't know what i wanted to do mm-hmm. um, even in my last year at university i was like i sort of knew i wanted to perform but i didn't know in what capacity. So I applied to drama school. Mm-hmm. And it was only then that I really, I felt like I'd found my true, I don't know, like the space that I felt really, that I could own, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how I, that's sort of the path that I took. It wasn't, I, I wasn't one of those people that, you know, age five, I knew that I was destined for Broadway or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to be a mo- I was going to be a movie star Destiny. or I didn't really know I didn't have a clear journey you know it was a bit haphazard and lots of twists and turns and even now in my career having been working for 20 odd years 25 years almost there's so many different my career path has gone through lots of different neighborhoods <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah um, it's just not one region mm. um, I quite like inhabiting different different worlds and mm-hmm. um, I'm really and it keeps me kind of fresh and keeps me excited and motivated to to continue mm. I think that's a really good approach just to to keep an open mind and to have your fingers in lots of different pies and you know like you were saying it was only towards the end of your final year that you wanted to go to to drama college so were you um at university knowing that you you wanted to to be a performer or did you go wanting to kind of study more musicology at university or um to act or no I definitely I definitely wanted to be a performer yeah and I think I think you know studying music and getting a scholarship to sing in the choir was sort of enabled me to to you know further my education in a really amazing way Mm, mm, but also, I hadn't really. I'm, I was, I was the sort of last generation, perhaps, which considered opting for a career in the arts as mm-hmm. very, very risky, and you needed to have something to fall back on, mm-hmm. like a degree. If my son, for example, aged eighteen, said to me, "I don't want to go to university. I want to be a recording engineer. I want to, you know, write film music, or I want to, I don't know." be a graphic designer, you know, I want to go to specialist college, then I'd say, go ahead. And it's not that my parents were against me doing any of those things. I just didn't think that was an option. I just thought, you know, it was better to, to have tertiary education and have a degree. Um, I just didn't really know much about that world. Mm. 
I think we know much more because the world has changed so much in 25 years. Um, there are, you know, so many more avenues into which one can progress a career in the arts. You know more, there's just more information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think, when I was, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think it's become even harder for our generation, though, because there's just there's just so much more competition and the standards of training have just got higher and higher. I would agree with that. I think, you know, I do a fair amount of coaching and, and a few masterclasses here and there with young singers. And there seems to me countless new schools, new academies, and it's extremely, you know, it was comp- it's competitive anyway when I started, but now it's like mm-hmm. very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And also to, you know, people are sort of being asked to specialize straight away. Yeah. So, you know, you want to do musicals or do you want to do film or do you want to do stage or, you know, and it's, it's quite rare for someone to do all of those things because the generally the drama school or the academy or whatever it is has a particular speciality. Mm. So, so when you were at drama school, I mean, what were you doing? Was it musicals or classical acting or were you going to do opera or? All sorts. I just did a year. I did a year of post-grad. Yeah. Um, and it was just a basic introduction. Mm-hmm. A, a drama school is really about getting to know yourself, mm-hmm. a little bit like university in a way, but mm-hmm. in a more specific way. So you, you know how you come across, you know what you look like, you know how people are going to perceive you straight off the bat within 10 seconds. And it gives you the ability to, I suppose, come to terms with that and to get to know yourself better mm. and to be more truthful. Mm. And acting really is about being truthful in imaginary circumstances. Mm. <laughs> um, and that's really the kind of basis of it. Yeah. That's what we that's what we tune in for. We tune in for 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 something that we can relate to, something we can understand, and something that we that reveals itself, or we're availed of something that's profound or truthful or universal. Mm-hmm. Going to drama schools, certainly good drama schools, I think it's it's a process of peeling away layers and coming to terms with who you are. Um, plus doing the technical exercises of strengthening your body, strengthening your voice, mm. awakening your imagination. But it's a lot of it is just relating, really, and listening, mm-hmm. learning how to listen. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, is there, would you say, um, a different approach to when you are singing compared to acting, or is it intertwined? I suppose it depends on the material, but yeah. I, I like to think that they're all interconnected I find that my musical experience, you know, for example, I feel like I've got a pretty good ear for dialogue because of mm-hmm. my musical experience. Oh, that's interesting. So faced with some verse or faced with, you know, with a text that's in a lot of texts, then I sort of know how to break it up or know how, you know, the ebb and flow of a piece of music, how to use dynamics, how to use phrasing. Oh, the things that we'd use if you were, if you were a violinist, you'd yeah, use yeah, the yeah. same as a, as a vocalist, you know, mm-hmm. or if you're speaking, your change of tempo. So I find, I find like when I've been working on camera, for example, it gives me just a different feeling. Mm-hmm. And I can then use that feeling when I'm on stage or when mm-hmm. I'm singing a song. Yeah. Um, 
it's just all about trying to be what's the word um trying to be able to communicate in the in the purest way mm-hmm. or the way that's really suitable to the material you're trying to express yeah yeah and i mean are you how much are you thinking about technique as well well that's the thing there's you know the idea is that the principle i suppose is that you do the technique stuff at home you know like a ballerina does you know the bar every morning you work on the technical aspects of the piece and then when you're performing in the evening then you try and use the other side of your brain Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But of course, when you're performing, there are always technical elements that you have to apply. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a cold, if the audience is fidgety, yeah. If the other performer is not, you know, on their game, or if they're, or you, you know, for whatever reason, you're not in the moment, mm-hmm. and the technique has to kick back in. But yeah. ideally, yes, you're, you, you, you know, you do the work and then you forget it and then you just express what's happening in the moment. Yeah. But it's always a balance. Yeah. It's always a balance between form and, form and um, uh, expression. Yeah. 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 You can't have one without the other. Absolutely. Completely agree. I guess talking about technique, I mean, you bring kind of this real classical sound to the repertoire that you do. So how did, you know, musical theatre come into your life then, you know, bringing that classical element? I don't really think about oh, really? it in a classical way. Oh, that's so interesting. Really, no. I mean, I feel like I've got a good classical training, yeah. classical and in inverted commas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I never, you know, I, I hear a lot of singers nowadays who sound the same to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not what singing is about. The singing is about celebrating what you have mm-hmm. and not trying to sound like anyone else. Mm-hmm. Because then you're stopping, you're, you're putting a valve on your own potential, on your own potential to express. Yeah. And I knew nothing about musical theatre, really, when I left drama school. I mean, I was aware of Rodgers and Hammerstein and aware a little bit of Sondheim and mm-hmm. stuff, but it wasn't really in my... You know, I knew much more about Brahms and yeah. Britain mm-hmm. and, I don't know, Thomas Tallis than I did mm-hmm. about Jerome Kern. <laughs> yeah. And when I came to sort of start auditioning for things, well, I just sang it in a way that felt right for me. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's what makes me different. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, it's not, it's not for everyone. I'm sure some people want a more contemporary sounding, yeah. depending on the piece of music, uh-huh. Contemporary sounding voice for some for yeah. some material, but I I quite like singing lots of different kinds of things, mm-hmm. um, from stuff that's composed you know now mm-hmm. to stuff that was you know composed in the 1920s. Um, mm-hmm. I try and sing to a certain degree, you know, with the same voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's 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 really interesting because some people say that you know if you're going to sing Sondheim, you sing it in the style of Sondheim. If you're going to sing Mozart, you sing it in the style of Mozart. But you know, you you kind of yeah, it's a massive jump though. I think the, there's there's less. <laughs> I shouldn't have used those examples. There's less of a jump from Jerome Kern to Sondheim to let's say Jason Robert Brown. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like singing uh, singing some Jerome Kern and then singing some Jason Robert Brown. Um, yeah, I have to change a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done quite a lot of workshops for music, new musicals. 
you know, there's a musical on Broadway, which I workshopped, which was, which is Moulin Rouge. And <laughs> songs that I had to sing were, you know, it was a song by Rihanna and a song oh, by okay. <laughs> George Michael, I can't remember, something like Jay-Z. Well, what do I do? I'm not Jay-Z. I yeah. I'm not Rihanna. <laughs> so how do I? But that's when it's interesting, when you have a sound that you don't perhaps expect or sound that is not trying to be a pastiche, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, if I was singing, if I was singing Don Giovanni, yeah, then I wouldn't be trying to sing it in a. But I'm not going to be employed to sing Don Giovanni. <laughs> 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 um, but certainly anything classical that I would do, then I would be. Yeah, because the expectations are different, aren't they? Oh yeah, they're far less expectation, I think, in the world of musicals, sort of anything goes really. I was going to say that actually, I just remembered that um, I gathered that you are good friends with Nathan Gunn and I had him on the podcast and he was saying that you know whether it's opera musical theatre contemporary stuff as long as you're truthful to what you're singing then you know the audience will kind of hook on it so you don't necessarily need to change styles as such and I mean he's just such a master at doing I, I, I think that's agreed yeah Nathan's a great singer and he's one of those people that um you know can sing pretty much anything really mm. and you just if it's truthful if it's coming from a place of truth then who cares whether he's singing with vibrato or without vibrato Mm. or whether he's using his I don't know you know using more head voice than he would in you know the Barbara Seville okay okay um Renee Fleming for example is someone else oh yeah you know who's 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 moving into more acting acting work and doing more musicals yeah and it's just a glorious sound and who cares that she doesn't sound like you know, that she doesn't sound like Barbara Streisand or whoever yeah. it may be. No one, I, I don't care. You know, you just want to hear a great, you just want to hear a great singer. And the great singers, you just know immediately that it's them, you know. Um, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the material necessarily. It's just this, there's a grain to the sound and a truthfulness that, that, and a personality. And that's what, when I talk to people about singing, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Technical, yeah. Sure, we all try and work on technique, but it's that unknown quality that is, that's where the gold is. Yeah, I mean, that, that's interesting. I mean, just going back to your earlier point, you know, I kind of agree with you in a way, you know. I think having that individuality is really important, like you were saying. In the world of classical singing, there's yeah. much more of a analytical side to the profession. Yeah. And a much more emphasis on the the real quality of the voice mm, mm, mm. and where the voice and because there's so many different kinds of voices yeah you know just sopranos just take sopranos there's lots of there's dramatic soprano there's a mm-hmm. soubrette there's a mm-hmm. you know there's a coloratura mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's these there are these boxes yeah. you know that you're put into so of course it's you know and the way that opera houses you know they're categorized so you're you're immediately that's your that's your thing. It's quite difficult to break out of that. Mm-hmm. But I think the best thing is transcend that what they have there because they have a lot there. Mm-hmm. And you have to have both. Yeah, generally absolutely. speaking. Certainly for classical singing because the the, the, the technical requirements. You, know, you don't want no microphone. And the technical requirements, there's, there's more of an expectation for a, there's more expectation of quality. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, if you go to the theatre, 
you know, generally speaking, most of the audience is not going, oh, well, he didn't hit that G in the right place. They don't, they don't care. I've got no idea. Most of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. It's, if it sounds good, if it feels good, if it's exciting, if it speaks to them, then that's more important than whether the, you know, whether it was all in the right place or whether the larynx was high or mm-hmm. all the things that we, you know, talk about as professional singers we try and work on. Yeah. At the end of the day, no one really cares in the world of, in, 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 in more uh, mainstream singing. No one really uh-huh. cares. They just want to, they want to hear a good sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And talking about great voices, who are some of the singers that have inspired you or some of the mentors that have inspired you in your career so far, either in singing or acting? Or... My mind always goes blank when, <laughs> um, when this kind of thing, when this kind of question I mean, there's so many people that I, I mean, what's been really lovely about not knowing much about musicals is about kind of discovering Mm. songs, you know, songs and and singers. And so, you know, discovering, you know, someone like Gordon McRae, for example, you know, who did all the Rodgers and Hammerstein sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing amazing tone to his singing and just Incredible. extraordinary really really wonderful singing but also I don't know I'm drawn to singers who don't necessarily have the best voices but are just <laughs> you know are just sort of they speak to me mm-hmm. or Joni Mitchell or something like that you know oh, just, yeah, it, yeah. Sort of comes out of them or Stevie Wonder or yeah, yeah, you yeah. know it just sort of feels like a part of them yeah 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 it's not it's not it's completely connected to their body uh-huh. um, yeah. Lorraine Hunt Lieberson, do you know, do you remember her? Yes, yeah. She was an opera singer. She died, you know, very, she was a wonderful, really amazing singer who was able to, just so connected. Yeah. You know, Ray Fleming, just connected, just an incredible, incredible voice. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of singers. Um, I'm going to suddenly get off the phone and think, why didn't I say that? Why didn't I say that? Why didn't I say that? I sing with Bryn, for example. I've done had a, had that experience a couple of times. Oh my goodness! What's he like to work with? Amazing, brilliant. It's just fantastic. It's yeah. just very uncomplicated and an incredible noise. Yeah, just amazing noise. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Yeah, I guess, I guess I've worked with. You think Bernadette Peters? Yeah, yeah. You know, in in some sense, it's not particularly attractive noise not particularly yeah. attractive voice mm-hmm. sort of slightly strange mm-hmm. very idiosyncratic but sort of incredible yeah because it, it just carries so much of her mm. you know those are the kind of voices that i, I really like yeah I, and i was going to say that Bryn Turville, i mean just going back to your previous point i mean he's one of those people he can be doing you know flying dutchman at the met to then doing musical theatre and then doing, you know, the Christmas variety show on the TV. Mm. I mean, he just I know. Oh. I've got both of his discs of when he's singing um, old-fashioned Hollywood or Broadway sort of stuff. They're so rich and sort of sonorous, Amazing. but, you know, sung with... It's just very honest. Such commitment. And the sound, the sound is so beautiful. It's really lovely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you have music on in, in the house when, you know, away from... You know, your your work or do you do you like to listen to music for pleasure? Um 
Not really. Yeah, I mean, we we because my wife's an opera singer, so we don't. Mm. We, I mean, we the kids. I've got two kids, and they're both you know musical, and so there is a there's a fair amount of music going on, or you know, with lessons and you know stuff like that, and getting the kids to practice. And <laughs> but I don't think we're we're not one of those people who have less who have music on in the background uh-huh. actually. Oh, I find that quite difficult. I find it. I find it distracting. If yeah. I'm going to listen to something, then I'll sit down and listen to it rather than just putting on, you know, smooth classics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What have been some of your career highlights so far? I mean, you've had this amazing career doing musicals, like you're saying, commercial recordings, acting. I don't know, really. I mean, I'm really proud of the sort of variety of things that I've been able to do, um, and I hope that continues if we're able to work again ever yeah well now that they're starting to ease some of the regulations maybe it might not be too long before live performance comes back i think live stuff is going to take a while i have to say you think i think we're looking towards yeah i think it's not really from what i'm hearing it's not going to be before the end of the year yeah um so um there might be some recorded sort of events maybe yeah that can certainly happen you know, before then, but I think trying to get, you know, five, six, seven hundred people into a space mm-hmm. um, to make it economically worthwhile, I think it's going to be very difficult and safe. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. But in terms, I'm not one who look, looks back, really. I like to go, well, what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. And I start, I feel like I start afresh every single day. Yeah. And I start from, from scratch. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know I don't, but I, I, you know, that's the sort of attitude I have, and um, there's so much more I want to do. So many more people I want to work with, and different, different types of material, and yeah, I keep just keep challenging myself and keep and keep trying to get better at it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. You've got a choice. You have an unlimited budget, and you can bring back any show that you like or any any stage production or you can you can play a character regardless of gender race um time period in any show um so what would you do (laughs) that's a good question um (laughs) i heard this question on a podcast the other day and i thought that's fantastic so i mean there's a script written by a friend of mine about um puccini and uh his relationship with a maid that he has in his his household, yeah. <laughs> which I um, which I which sort of combines all the things that I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film, filming, and music and stuff. And um, I'd love to be able to get that made. Mm-hmm. If I had, you know, ten million, it's a kind of big period drama, so it's expensive. But if I had ten million in my back pocket, then maybe I'd do that yeah yeah production or something or i don't know i i, I like um yeah it's, it's about time i mean i was supposed to be doing south pacific this summer oh yeah um oh. that's been cancelled yeah which is a shame but you know I, I was really looking forward to doing that but any of those shows like kiss me kate is, is on my list of, of shows oh. that i like to do okay. uh the secret garden i quite like i've been looking at that score but that hasn't been done for 30 years or so um 20 years so that's one to look at oh there's hundreds yeah hundreds of things I'd like to do I'd like to do a Chekhov Ooh. <laughs> um I don't know 
Mm. You know, I could I could talk for hours about what I like to do. Have you ever done um, Terence McNally's masterclass? Because that would combine all the things that you know, you 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 do. There was a, I remember it was going to happen at some stage uh, as a film. Oh, okay. With Mike Nichols, who I think the reason that he didn't have was Mike Nichols, who was directing it, died. Oh, okay. But I have a feeling it was Meryl Streep playing Maria Callas. Oh, okay. I can't remember whether I auditioned for it or not, but um, but yeah, but no, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't know the I haven't, I haven't, um, but I know the piece. And he died very recently, didn't he? Unfortunately, he did yeah, yeah, really sad. He's such a legacy as well. Great writer, yeah, yeah. great writer, yeah. And finally, what are you going to do once this lockdown is over? <laughs> oh, um, well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's some things that I'm kind of quite enjoying. But to be honest with you, I think quite a lot of actors, you know, artists, uh, we're quite used to this feeling. Oh, OK, yeah. We're quite used to this feeling of not really knowing what's happening, mm-hmm. not knowing when the next check is coming in slightly being isolated mm-hmm. from the rest of society just mm-hmm. because of the fact that sometimes we don't have to get up mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> we don't have to go to work um so it, it's i suppose it's less of a of a difference for us mm-hmm. but I, I don't know maybe I, i'm sort of thinking that maybe i will use this as a sort of dividing line and be I know one, one always is trying to sort of improve oneself and, and that sort of American way of kind of, you know, self-improvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, how can be your truer self? All that, all that <laughs> yeah, but yeah. maybe I will use that as a kind of launch pad and into the sort of second half of my work or, I don't know, try and do bigger and better things. Mm. I'm an optimist. I'm, you know, I like, I look forward to what the next, day is going to bring I'm really very grateful that I've had you know the experiences that I've had thus far mm-hmm. and and really want to be able to show more and to explore more and to learn more mm-hmm. yeah. so that's what I'm looking forward to So there you have it. That was my conversation with Julian Ovenden. And as I am speaking, the Chichester Festival Theatre's production of South Pacific by Rodgers and Hammerstein is still due to run at the 2021 festival. If you're new to this podcast, do be sure to to check out the interviews um, that I've done with um, some wonderful artists and creatives over the last few months or so. There's some really interesting and stimulating interviews and insights to listen to. So so do check those out if you're looking for something to keep you intrigued and informed during, during this lockdown. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. But meanwhile, stay safe and I do hope that you'll be able to join me for the next podcast very soon.